Okay, welcome to the not too loud. Welcome to the Queen Anne's County Commissioners meeting. This is a public meeting that is being aired live on our local cable television station, QAC TV7. These media broadcasts provide county citizens an opportunity to watch and review our scheduled public meetings. In addition to our live audience this evening, we are providing remote options for citizens to watch our county commissioner meeting. Citizens may watch our meeting live on our website at qac.org live or on our television channel, BreezeLine Channel 7 and High Definition Channel 507. Citizens may also email comments to public comment at qac.org. Comments received will be summarized during the press and public comment period on this evening's agenda. We acknowledge everybody's participation and by attending you acknowledge that this session is both recorded and aired. Press and public comment will be taken and is limited to three minutes per person. If you do care to speak, please sign up as you enter uh, the auditorium outside in the lobby. Comments longer than three minutes can be submitted in writing for the commissioner's review. We will now stand and be led in the Pledge of Allegiance by Commission President Jim Moran. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. If you could please remain standing for a moment of silence for all of the 9-11 victims, First up, we have the, the approval of this evening's agenda. Our agenda for today's meeting, September the 12th, along with the regular session minutes, the closed session minutes, the Sanitary Commission minutes from August 22nd, and the Roads Board minutes and the Sanitary Commission minutes from the August 8th meeting have all been circulated for the Commissioner's review. Do we have any additions and or corrections? Motion to accept the agenda as submitted and the meeting Second. We have a motion to second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Okay. Thank you, Commissioners. So first up, we have a short presentation on the upcoming US 5301 Kent Island Traffic Management Pilot Program. So I believe uh, Commissioner Moran is going to present so that. So what we're going to do is the Commissioner is going to come down and sit so they can watch, and we're going to go through this. Very briefly, but we will be staying after the meeting to answer any questions or concerns uh, anybody has. Clicker. Okay, so this first, uh, first off, this is a, this is the updated version of the beach to bridge plan that the county uh, pulled out in 2018-19 to help with the, the amount of traffic that was uh, getting on all of our side streets. Uh, anybody that uh, knows what's been going on with the corridor, the, the tier two NEPA for a, a new bridge, eight lane bridge that can handle the capacity, and right now we're with five lanes, and the side that has the most traffic gets the third lane. 
So that's how that situation goes. Anne Arundel County has already uh, gone through their pilot program. Uh, the Bragg Bay Bridge Reconstruction Advisory Group uh, we were members of. We worked in conjunction with Anne Arundel County, MDTA, SHA, everyone on board to do their pilot last year, which led to them closing down three ramps in 2.6 miles. So what we did on this first drawing here, well, first let me say that, that 2.6 miles closing three ramps uh, in Queen Anne's County, 2.5 miles from the Bay Bridge is Castle Marina Road, and we also have three ramps. But their corridor and our corridor, and the difference is we have from the Bay Bridge to the 5301 split is approximately 10 miles, and we have 15 ramps. So it's, it's going to get confusing. And what we're trying to do now, the state is trying to do, we're, we're working with them. This is phase one. So don't think this is it and that's the end of the program. That's not it. This is, you, you have to work your way from the bridge back to find out because every time you do something, there's a reaction to it. And that's what this is about. So if you notice here, this drawing just basically shows the number of uh, pages that are, are in the manual. And each one has ramps and what we're going to do. Go ahead. So this is our first one. This is Route 8 and Route 50. As you can see, uh, a lot of people come up the ramp, and I'm talking about during backups, come up the ramp and go shoot straight across, or they circumvent Route 50 altogether, come down 18, get on Route 8, and go down the ramp. This will be closed. You can't see it up on the upper left-hand side, but they have to start at a time somewhere to close this ramp. You know, and what we're trying to work with them is when traffic gets to two miles, close it. But right now, uh, we had a discussion with them today. They are going to go forward with what their plan is and what they've advertised because we're in a battle with Google Maps and all the other apps that, that tell people, okay, there's a backup turn right here, turn left here. The state has already notified them, these apps, these, these companies, that we're doing this. So they're automatically going to say that that ramp is closed. That ramp is closed for safety reasons. So if we don't follow when they say it's closed, the apps will say, well, we can't trust you. We're going to say it's open all the time, and that's part of the problem. And again, after the meeting, we can get into this much more in depth. So that's the first two that will be closed. And on this one here, it's going to be closed at 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Uh, on Sunday and Saturday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. So uh, that's the first one. And, and with that being closed, everybody that lives on Kent Island, and we're cognizant of what, what goes on because we know there's, there's for every action, there's a reaction. To get on to Route 50, to get on the Bay Bridge, you have to go up to Main Street, turn right on Main Street, go to Castle Marina, which Castle Marina, from this overpass, is 1.6 miles, and get on to Castle Marina. And what a lot of people don't understand, and, and uh, what we're trying to, to push is, every time you stop a, a ramp or merging, Every time you, you, you remove that from the equation, traffic moves faster. Traffic moves faster. And what we're trying to do is get this, get, instead of 25 miles an hour, we want vehicles when they hit Castle Marina to be in over 40 miles an hour because there's nothing in front of them blocking them. And that's, that allows traffic to, to drain quicker and, and backups less. So with this one, you'll have to go up to Main Street, turn right, next, next slide, thanks. Yeah, one more, it's the same one, okay. So here's Duke Street. Now, and again, I don't want to throw too much information out there at this present moment, but Duke Street is owned by the county. It's not a state road. So we can do with Duke Street what we want. But what we're going to do is there's a business there, and we're very cognitive of all of our businesses. So that gas station is going to stay open. 
That ramp's going to be an on and off ramp, but you can't get to Route 18 by that ramp. The road is going to be blocked, so that, again, that keeps traffic on 50 and moving forward. Next slide. This is the shopping center where El Jefe's is, the Dunkin' Donuts, uh, the Hardee's. You can come 50 west. You can come down 50 west. You can get off the ramp and go to these businesses. But you cannot get back onto 50 west there. Again, we're trying to stop the merging at these points. The traffic picks up and moves quicker. You'll have to go around to the back of the, uh, the shopping center, get on Main Street, which is Route 18, turn right, and go to Castle Marina. Next slide. There's Castle Marina, and I'm going to talk about a couple things here. The first one, going Castle Marina, you'll hit to the circle, you'll go right, come up to the ramp, go right, you're on 50. And again, the only, it's the only reason that traffic won't be moving at a good clip of at least 40 miles an hour is if there's an accident. So that's, that's what's going to happen this weekend. So we're, I'm going to show you a couple other points that we have plans for that we're not incorporating yet, but I'm going to go through these really quick. If you look up there, and I can't read the name of that street, Todd, the top, upper right, in front of uh, Piney, thank you. Okay, so Piney Creek Road, County Road. A lot of people know the travel this area. Traffic will get off of 18, jump on, thank you, Piney Creek Road, come up, turn right, get into the circle, and just jams up Route 18, jams up the circle. We own that, we're going to close that. Next slide. And where we're going to close it is right there, as you can see in the drawing or the picture, right there is where we're going to close it. That ramp remains open. There's businesses there. You can get off. You can get back on. Route 50 there. Next slide. All right. You got me now. Where are we? Oh, the gas station. Okay, so this is, uh, this is the, excuse me, the gas station and the, and the boat dealership. That ramp is open. So everybody that lives back there can get in, get out without any problems. Next slide. Is, this is the Kent Narrows. So at the Kent Narrows, we're going to leave one side or the other open. We cannot close off both these ramps. It, it, you know, there's too many businesses there, too many hotels, too many tourists, too much activity. So we're going to leave this one open. So you'll be able to access the Kent Narrows, and you'll be able to access Route 18 here. And this is the one that we're going to struggle over the next year or two. It's because of the fact that the amount of people, when they come around the bend on Route 50, they see the Kent Narrows, they see the overpass, they see the brake lights, they jump off. And this is, this is one of the points. Next slide. This, so this is the side that's closed. The, the far side's open, this side is closed, keeps people on 50, and once they cross the top of that hill, we're hoping they'll see that those lights are moving at uh, Castle Marina and they stay on Route 50. Next slide. This is Winchester Creek, the overpass where the 7-Eleven is. From 5301 split to this point, or to the Kent Narrows, there's really only two access points to get you onto Route 18. The two access points are this bridge that takes you across and Nesbitt Road where the hospital is. We intend that hopefully some year, next year or the year after, and massive backups, we'll be able to close both of those ramps, not deny access, and that's for the people that live there too. So if you're coming from Easton, I live there, so if I'm coming from Easton, I've got to go all the way down to the Kent Narrows, turn around and come back, okay? If we close those two, Route 18, Main Street, stays open from the hospital all the way to the Kent Narrows. And we have two firehouses in there, two emergency services in there. So it's very critical. Next one. All these ramps on, on, the, on the north side of 50, they all stay open. They only lead to two access points, Nesbitt Road and, and the uh, Chester River uh, Bridge. Next one. 
Again, here's the, the uh, emergency room. This is Nesbitt Road. We're going to close that. When we, and also, when we say we're closing something, we're not closing it to emergency services. Any emergency service we have, sheriffs, uh, fire, EMS, they're all, you know, these are man physicians. They'll be open to get through. So they stay open there. And it's same with the hospital. So if somebody comes up, they're, they're a doctor, they're a nurse, I'm going to the hospital, they're going to let them through. So it's not, it's not that, uh, you know, when we say it's closed, it's just closed to those that want to travel through the county. Uh, I think, next slide. This is the crossover that we've been closing for the last four years at uh, Route 50 and 18 up by the um, outlets. So that one there is, is a left-hand turn, and that one's being closed. And we're thinking about that one being closed permanently. Leaving access for just fire trucks, because uh, Queenstown uses that area to get down through to Bennett Point Road. He's got the point. Right, right there. So the, outlet, the outlets are to the north. Yeah, right there, there's the outlets. You come around Route 50 to Bend as you're going towards the beaches or Easton, and there's a, a right-hand ramp. Coming the other direction, there's a left-hand turn. And that's one that's very dangerous, and, and that's the one that we're probably going to be asking the state to close sooner rather than later. So that's the, the short version of it. This, this pilot program is going for three weekends, three Saturdays and Sundays. They want to see what's going to go, go on there with the algorithms, with, with these uh, different uh, companies. And then after this, we're going to have town hall meetings in November. We're going to come back and we're going to ask what's working, what's not working. We know that it's late in the year. Believe me, we know. But, you know and, I, and, and nothing against our, our, our counterparts of State Highway. We're, we're, we're grateful that they're finally allowing this to transpire because we've got to start somewhere. And this is the beginning, and uh, we hope we hope that if the plan goes well, the public will see that, you know, because I'm going to leave you with this one last figure. Route 301 and the overpass, the bypass in Delaware, we put up, Queen Anne's County put up our own counters because we want to know what's going on with the traffic. Since 2018, the traffic on 301 has increased by 26%. 2018, remember, that was with COVID and everything else, and it's up 26%. Traffic everywhere is up. And so we, you know, it's not like we're going to just ignore this because we can't. This is this is one of those situations. This amount of traffic every year. Uh, Ten years ago, my first year as a commissioner, we had two backups. My third year as a commissioner, we had six. I mean, we get backups now every day. And, and, and if some of you've noticed, we're starting to see them in, on Thursdays and Fridays too. Uh, and that's westbound. That's westbound. And our concern is with the schools getting picking up students, buses, uh, businesses. There's a lot to get, you know, to comes into play and, and uh, we are doing our best to try and find solutions where you, it's not going to be pain free for anybody. But it's got to be acceptable to a level that, you know, quality of life is everything. So that's what we're working on. Be more than happy to answer any questions after the meeting. We got a lot to do on our agenda. So, you know, I know myself will be staying. I don't know if any other commissioners will be staying to answer any of your questions. Thank you. All right, thank you, Commissioner Moran. So while the commissioners are making their way back up to the bench, uh, we are going to take press and public comment at this point. So I have a little spiel here I'm going to read. So if you haven't signed up and you do want to speak uh, during this initial comment period, please uh, prepare yourself and sign up our sheet. We appreciate all citizens taking time to express their views to the county commissioners. Comments are limited to three minutes per person. 
Comments longer than three minutes may be submitted in writing. This commission respects your desire and right to convey your message freely. When you come forward, please speak clearly at the standing microphone, state your name, your address, and your topic of interest. And in keeping, keeping with the dignity of our office, we ask that all views be expressed in a respectful and civil manner. Okay, the first name is John Statham. Good, thank you. Second is Jay Falstead. Good evening, Commissioners. Jay Falstead, Queen Anne's Conservation Association. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to speak. Um, earlier this afternoon, I sent you all a, a letter with a bunch of citations um, concerning the public works agreement related to Chester Haven Beach. Um, we'll have more to say about this subject in the, I guess, within the next couple weeks, but I mainly just want to urge you to carefully review that public works agreement. Um, in our view, we sort of, not sort of, we see this agreement as a potential Trojan horse. Um, and potentially, by you voting on it, would give credibility um, to a development project which may not deserve it. And so we just urge you to proceed with caution on it. Uh, we're going to be doing some more research over the next two weeks. And when we meet again, uh, I expect to have a couple of more uh, documents for you. Um, anyway, that was all. Thank you very much for the, for the time. Have a good evening. Dave Humphreys. Good evening. Uh, my name is Dave Humphreys. I live at 788 uh, Mooring Circle, right near the airport. And I'm here to speak briefly about congestion and traffic and solutions on Kent Island. Uh, what I want to do is simply read the statement here, and I have some other things that will be submitted with it. And I think in reading it, I get this. I don't dawdle on, okay? Maryland DOT is doing what it can now to try strategic ramp closures. However, this is no more than a Band-Aid approach to long-term area-wide problems resulting from short-sighted planning on the part of both the state and QAC. The long-term solution is a second corridor crossing the Chesapeake Bay somewhere well south of the existing crossing that should have been in the planning stage 30 years ago. The short-term solution for congestion relief on Ken Island is to implement an Intelligent Transportation Systems, or ITS, corridor management system for Route 5301 that focuses on platoon management, speed control, and enforcement such that the preferred alternative for motorists is to remain on Route 50 westbound during weekends because it would be the quickest route to the Bay Bridge. I lost my place. <laughs> oh, there we go. Running at a steady 35 to 40 miles per hour, if properly platooned, then you can do this electronically. It would be the quickest route to the Bay Bridge, rather than Route 18, which is slower, running at 
15 to 20 miles per hour. So the choice becomes that of the public on Route 50, not the painful thing of closing ramps. The specifics of how this would work were presented in a layman's terms at a featured article in the December 2022 issue of Kent Island Neighbors magazine. A copy of that article is with this here, by the way. And my brief bio is also attached. I think I have more experience than everyone on this anyone in this room and everyone together in the area of electronic ITS technologies. Fifty years worth. I helped develop that whole program worldwide. This article was submitted, by the way, to every commissioner and to the manager of the county. And there's never been a response. I'd be happy to meet with the commissioners to explain the technical aspects of ITS and corridor management, the responsibility of which and the financial responsibility rests with the state, not the county. But the county must be the advocate to go to the state. This is technology that has been tried elsewhere for 25 years, and successfully so, and I've implemented it in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and Taipei, Taiwan, and other places. So that's who I am, but that's what can happen here, and that could be implemented. It's not cheap, but it's not crazy. It'd be cheaper than the gates, and it would be able to be enforced. So it would really help if people chose to be on Route 50 and Route 18 became ours again, ramps included. Thank you kindly, gentlemen. I thank you. I'm going to go to the other meeting, by the way, that people probably want to go to. And I might see you there if you show up. But that's, again, involving us and the bridge and everything else. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. John Custer. Hi, my name is John Custer. Uh, I live at 117 Amanda Francis Lane, Stevensville, Maryland. Yeah, sorry. Uh, my name is John Custer. I live at 117 Amanda Francis Lane in Stevensville, Maryland. Um, I think some of my questions may be better served for the one-on-one, -on -one, so I'm going to hold back on some of those, but I, I would like to make a few points here. Uh, first of all, I'd like to thank you for the time to speak. Uh, before I go any further, I want to acknowledge the job that you have. Uh, at this stage is not an easy one, and decisions often have shades of gray, and sometimes suboptimal decisions have to be made. There's not a great one at all times. That's the burden of leadership. Uh, I don't intend to dump problems in your lap like a child. I'd like to figure out how we can come to some solutions like adults here. Uh, but I would like to ask some questions. Where did this decision process start at the top and how did it come down? Was this MDOT from Jim Ports, or was this the county going to MDOT and working collaboratively with them in this. We, we're not doing question and answers. This is your just straight comment. Yeah. So, okay. So, and I'll be happy to answer those. Oh, questions. that's what I meant by some questions may be better served for the the one on one. Um, what I would say then is temporary decisions and test pilot programs at times have a bad way of sticking around, and usually the worst parts of them tend to stick around. We've seen that most immediately in the after effects of decisions made during COVID. And we can go back as far as 9-11 and post decisions that were 
made for, quote, our safety as a public that have eroded the quality of life. And there's very little quality of life left for a lot of people. We come over to the Eastern Shore to live here for a better quality of life. So taking some of that quality of life away from the folks who choose to live here is probably not going to have a great reaction with the folks who live here as people are traveling through. I understand decisions need to be made and things need to be done to ease the burden and also make sure that EMS can get around, but I'm not sure this particular program is gonna lead to the results that you guys want. And I think some of the turnout here is gonna show that and some of the public comments that we're getting are showing that. I think this decision reeks a bit of bureaucracy from folks who don't live here and don't understand what we deal with. If Jim Ports and his crew lived off of Route 8, they wouldn't be shutting down that exit. I can guarantee you that. And that's the point that I think a lot of other people feel here is the people who are making this decision are out of touch with where it's coming from. And that doesn't necessarily mean you who lives here, but the people on the other side of the bridge that are making these choices, it's affecting the lives of the people over here and it's affecting the businesses and it's affecting the things that we do on a daily basis. I'm not EMS, but I am one call for hospitals. My presence is required in the operating room. If I get a call that we have a trauma surgery that I have to go to Baltimore and I'm delayed 45 minutes to go up and around to get down, to come back around 50, a patient could die on the operating table. Who does that patient's family call to ask why that happened? Is that Jim Ports? Is that Queen Anne's County? Is that MDOT? Who gets answered to in that situation? That's a rhetorical question, I believe. So. Megan Stein? Hello. Uh, my name is Megan Stein. I live at 730 Kimberly Way in Stevensville. Um, first of all, thank you for the changes that you're trying to make for the locals and leaving traffic on Route 18. Um, we definitely need a lot of help with that. Um, it's been a little frustrating personally, just constantly coming back from events far out on the Eastern Shore, you know, every day on the weekend. And personally, I know it's illegal, but I ride the whole shoulder on the highway because Route 18 is, you know, 40 minutes backed up. Um, and, you know, never had any problems with that. Maybe a possible exit lane for those people would be great if Route 18 cannot be alleviated. Um, it's a little bit of a, you know, far out suggestion. But also, you know, just putting out there that, you know, Route 18, there's a lot of people who come up that way because they got to go down Route 8 or they got to go, you know, wherever on the island. So making sure that when you close these different exits, off ramps, on ramps, whatever, that the people who live here can still go about their daily business, you know, not having to take 40 minutes to get to the grocery store or wherever they have to go. Um, and there's one more thing. Oh, I think a lot of the reason we're having more populated, you know, congestion, not only is, you know, there are just more people in general trying to get to the beach, there's no other way for people to get to the beach besides to go through the island. So for the future, planning for that third corridor, I truly believe that putting another bridge in this area is not the answer. You can't expand the highway once you get onto the island. So it doesn't matter how many lanes you have coming over the bridge, that's just gonna be a disaster. Um, so maybe trying to figure out a way, it's already been passed that this is the chosen corridor, but possibly considering that there are other routes because traffic is coming from way up north or way down south on the west side of the bridge. Um, 
and also due to a lot of new development over here. We've got apartment complexes going up like wildfire. We've got retirement homes. We're just jam-packing people onto this island, and I think that is another concern that does add to the traffic situation. Uh, and that includes Route 18. You know, those people live off of Route 18, so that road is going to be more congested than it has ever been, especially with all these new developments building. Um, so that's pretty much all I have to say. Thank you for the changes that you're trying to make. We really do appreciate it, but just keep in mind that all of the changes that you want to make really should be for the people on this island primarily, secondarily for the people who are heading over the bridge on the highway. Thanks. Thank uh, last person I have is Joe Stevens. Thank you, Commissioners. Good evening. Uh, Joseph Stevens, uh, as you know, I represent Chester Haven Beach, and they have their request in before you um, for an extension of the Public Works Agreement. I just wanted to clarify in that regard that this is an extension of an existing agreement. It simply extends the time frame for them to begin construction um, under the Public Works Agreement and the sewer allocation. Um, and it doesn't prejudice in any way any group or, as Mr. Falstad indicated, that has issue with the development or with any um, uh, um, status of the lots of record. They still have their rights to proceed and will. What this does is simply allow for the extension of the time frame for construction start under the, under the Public Works Agreement, and we, we request that you act on that this evening. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We're going to close the press and public comment right now. And... Oh, I'm sorry. Under the county's press and public comment, we received 12 emails total regarding the Beach to Bridge Ramp Management Pilot Program. One email was for the Beach to Bridge Ramp Management Pilot Program, and the other 11 were against. One email that was for the Beach to Bridge Ramp Management Pilot Program stated that this is an outstanding idea, and given the advanced time notice, it is quite easy for them to work around the closing of the ramps on weekends without being stuck in traffic. The 11 emails that were against it were for various reasons, such as, there should be a better solution to traffic issues than this. This plan will force locals to travel the opposite direction and backtrack when wanting to cross the bridge from Route 8 and create a back road gridlock for everyone who is local wanting to get on 50. And it's just not right. These emails were submitted by Andrew Ventresca, Darren Heater, Carolyn Ward, Eileen Billings, Bernadette Knopf, Pamela Murray, Heather Armiger Stark, Dave Robles, Ryan Wagner, Mark Kasha, Maureen Sullivan and Timothy Alderman. That's it. Thank you. Okay, Todd. Thank you. Uh, that was all we had signed up, and we have another. If you'd like to speak, come on up. We normally do 15 minutes. I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to do another 11 minutes because we, we've already done 15. We'll do another 11, and we do more. We do it again at the end of the meeting. Well, oh, I appreciate that, but this no is, of course, very Your significant. Name? Well, uh, good evening, commissioners. My name is George Williams. I live at 628 Bayside Drive in, in Stevensville. Uh, I spoke to a gentleman outside who's one of the engineers, and I understand the process, and I've been in government and politics, and we've had the same issues in New Jersey. However, there's one thing that I forgot to mention to him, and, and it's the ramp that goes off of Vagel into the bridge. And he was pointing out the amount of traffic 
that is on Route 18 to get to that point, which creates a major uh, choke point, as well as the traffic that's merging under the bridge. Well, if you're closing the exits east of uh, uh, the bridge, then the amount of traffic that you're going to have coming on that ramp is only local. Because, quite frankly, there's no way to get there. If you're locked on to 50, you're not going to get off at the end of it. So the only people, uh, you know, you would still have traffic merging, and yes, it's a choke point, but now it's thousands of cars versus maybe a couple hundred because uh, people who live here who want to go over that bridge would have to merge, but you're talking very significantly uh, a less amount of vehicles than you are of, uh, concerning the, uh, if you're talking about the vehicles who are now on Route 18. And I just wanted to point that out, that I don't know if that was given any consideration. So in, in essence, you're allowing locals to do it, and by closing the exits coming across the island, you're preventing outsiders from doing it. So the impact is not as great as you might have thought. That's all. Thank you. Thank you. All right, I'm gonna, I'll take you and then you. Okay, that's fine. All right. Can you line up? No. That's fine. Hi, good evening, commissioners. My name is Ellen Wharton. I live at 620 Bayside Drive in Bay City, Stevensville. Um, following up with uh, Mr. Williams, who's my neighbor who just spoke, and let me preface this by saying, I've lived in this, on Ken Island now, in Bay City for more than 30 years, and I've seen the dramatic escalation, as you have mentioned, uh, Commissioner Moran. In fact, I've it's often said Thursday has become the new Friday when it comes to traffic. It's just awful on Route 18. However, I, I guess, and this is a question I don't expect an answer to right now, but thinking about particularly people coming from Route 8 south, from Ro Romacote on, why they cannot be allowed to make the left turn on the bridge. These are, these are local people. They're not clogging up Route 18. It's nothing to do, as I understand it, the, the real rationale for this was Route 18 and letting EMS people get through. I don't think that making a left turn on the bridge um, from Route 8 is going to interfere with that. It's just, just something to consider as you, as you move forward. And a gentleman earlier who is a a physician, I assume, or a medical person in Baltimore. I mean, this happens all weekend long, people living down and, and, and needing to make that left turn on the bridge. And I thank you for your, your attention and, uh, and your work. Thank you. Yeah, I live in Ellendale in Stevensville, um, south on Route 8, right behind the Valero. And um, my name is Darren Heater, and I'm at 318 John Patrick. And, uh, and I've also talked to over, a, I mean, there's 200 homes in that community. I've talked to over a dozen of my neighbors. Not a single person is for this. I'm just coming to, you know, on your behalf, you got a hard decision to try to figure out this congestion thing. But I'm here in person to let you know that nobody I've talked to in that area is for this. I know we moved here nine years ago. Um, we have family, our church. Um, we go over the Bay Bridge for sports all weekend long. And one of the reasons why we fell in love with Ken Island, but we moved to where we did, is because even if it is backed up on Route 50, we knew that we could always get on that ramp and merge right onto the bridge and get through it quickly. And a lot of people on Route 8 feel that same thing. And so that's, we, we knew the risk in being here with the backup that goes down 50 West, but that's why we're here. That's why we want access to that ramp, so that we can get on there, wade through the traffic, and keep going. 
Now you're going to take that away and force us all to go all the way back through it and then sit in traffic for a, a long period of time. On top of the other comments people have made, I think this is the wrong decision. I think there should be other things that should be explored. I think you're right to want to keep everybody on Route 50 like they did over in Anne Arundel County, but this is the wrong solution to solve that problem. I think we should explore other things like putting signs up, maybe staging police cars at the exits with lights on to intimidate people, saying, hey, you're going to get a big ticket if you aren't local, and, and try other things first before you penalize the people that live here to just get on the exit ramp. And I'm sure with technology these days, there's other things that we can do, like the gentleman talked about, that he's implemented in other cities, where you can let the people that are local get on the ramp, and the other people that aren't, they can't. Or they get a ticket in the mail. We've got them hanging over Route 50. We could probably do them on the ramps right there, too. So I think there's a lot of other solutions that should be looked at before we penalize this pilot and then have this turn into all summer next summer for us. So I, on. On behalf of many people on Ken Island, hope that you can consider these other options before you implement this. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, my name is Vince Massimini. I live at 14 Kentmore down at Kentmore Air Park, and I'm also here for Helen Woods, who owns the flight school at Bay Bridge Airport. And I'd like to point out that this is going to be very damaging for businesses along Route 8 also, even on the weekend for the same reasons that these other gentlemen have talked. Our people come over from the other side to fly with us, and if they're going to have to go east to go west on the traffic, that's going to hurt business in, uh, in, in, in Queen Anne's County. So thank you very much. Thank you. Anyone else? All right, now we'll close press and public comment. Hand it to you, Todd. All right, uh, so our next presentation is uh, from Dr. Cliff Coppersmith. He is the president of Chesapeake College, and he is here to present a proposal for the new Queen Anne's Technical Center uh, building project. We have a short presentation he's going to deliver, and commissioners, that is in your book, uh, tab number six, items A and B. Tab six, A and B. Mr. President, uh, Commissioners, I'm uh, uh, pleased to be with you this evening. It's uh, been a long road to get to this evening to uh, bring this to you. Uh, we've had informal discussions about this project, and now we are formally presenting it to you for uh, the consideration for submitting a letter of intent, which is the request that we have for you as we are making with all of our counties. Just a quick review that the uh, Queen Anne's Technical Center was built in 1979. It is dated. It is aged. It is. Uh, basically beyond uh, uh, hope in terms of being renovated and improved. And so we've submitted the uh, paperwork to the state of Maryland to build a new building, which actually would qualify as a renovation because it's replacing this existing structure. The progr programs that would be housed in this building uh, currently exist in two locations, one in the Queen Anne's Tech Building, the other in the Manufacturing Trade Center. And our intent is to uh, bring all these programs together under one roof, uh, the list you can see above. But obviously the focus is skilled trades and the professions, uh, of which, of course, we all know are in dire need of reinforcement and support in our community as they are across the country as we're basically facing a crisis in terms of the staffing and employment of these kinds of specialists and what I would consider these things to be the foundation of our civilization. We also want to house uh, the agencies that we house on campus that support these programs with support for uh, students pursuing these uh, programs, including the Small Business Development Center, the Center for Innovation and Entrepreneurship, which will be a college operation that supports small business and self-employment in the professions and the skilled trades, and of course the Workforce Investment Board that provides 
funding for both tuition and fees for students to pursue these degrees or these non-credit programs at the college. Project estimate based on formulas and uh, the work that we've done with the state uh, in terms of uh, you know, calculating the amount of space we need for classrooms, labs, office spaces, and other uh, spaces supporting the uh, operation of these programs, it's about 90,000 square feet gross square footage. And the project estimate is uh, just over $79 million, which the state bears 75% of the cost, and the counties together uh, share in 25% of that cost. Presently, um, the, the state has assigned a priority this to the Maryland Higher Education Commission. We are number six on the list, and that is, of course, uh, the first four already under construction. So this project, which is uh, proposed, is one of two that are next in priority. And of course, I'd like to point out the only one on the Eastern Shore. What I'd like to do now is hand this off to K uh, Karen Smith, my uh, Chief Financial Oper Operations Officer, that will go through the numbers in terms of the uh, allocation for the counties. Good evening. Uh, this chart displays the different uh, phases of the project. Um, so the state picks up 75% of the project and the local funding is 25%. It breaks down uh, about $20 million would be local funding and the rest would be funded by the state, uh, 50, a little over $59 million. The um, capital projects for the college are broken out um, between the five support counties by population based on the 2020 census. Um, the Queen Anne's County share of this project would be 28.9%. The project usually um, is over three to four years long. The design portion would be, um, if approved, it would be in fiscal year 25. Construction for a project this size would probably be between 18 and 22 months. So over the next two fiscal years after that, and then furniture and equipment comes after that. So the total over those three to four year period for Queen Anne's County would be $5.7 million. This um, slide just shows the um, staff we have in place to build out these programs. We have hired um, uh, senior people in each of these areas, marine trades, welding, construction technology, transportation and logistics, hospitality, and it, we are a new program we're just bringing on board is advanced manufacturing. This is just a copy of the letter of um, intent that the state is asking for um, for this project um, that we hopefully would uh, get the commissioners to sign. And we can send this to you uh, for signature. We're hoping to get the signature. Um, Department of Budget and Management is meeting on September 28th, and they'd like to have um, the letters of support from all of our five counties for that meeting. Um, that is it. We will take any questions that the commissioners might have at this time. I, I don't have any questions. I'm just ecstatic to see uh, something. I've been a commissioner for eight years now, looking forward to the day that I got to make the motion to move forward a regional tech center, something that is sorely needed on the Eastern Shore. Um, coming from a blue collar background and looking around at the, the voids we have in the trades right now, this couldn't come at a better time, uh, especially post-COVID. So I'm, I have no questions. I'm a 100% supporter at this point. All right, I will make the motion. I move to execute the letter of intent advising the Maryland Higher Education Commission of the county's intentions to provide our portion of the local share funds to design, construct, and equip the new facility. Second. 
We have a motion and a second. Any further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Abstained? So moved. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, thank you both this evening for the presentation. All right, commissioners, we have uh, some action items here. We have about a dozen of those, and uh, we have a public hearing at 6.30. So do you want to go ahead and move into the action items, and then we'll break off at 6.30 for the uh, public hearing? Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right, commissioners, if you want to turn to tab number two, we have uh, one action item for the Department of Public Works. So tab two, uh, item number one on pages one through seven is a uh, South Island Trail extension easement agreement from Camp Wright. Uh, and that is uh, being offered to the county by the Diocese of Easton for the extension of the South Island Hiker Biker Trail at zero cost to the county. This document has been reviewed by our county attorney and is ready for um, consideration. I move to approve the Camp Wright easement for the extension of the South Island Hiker Biker Trail and have Commission President Jim Moran execute the easement document. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Looking forward to getting this part of the trail done, absolutely. Um, seeing no discussion, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Abstained? So moved. Jim, why don't you, the people who are here who may not watch our meetings as to the significance of this, what we're trying to do with the trail. Go ahead. So, so those of you who... A lot of, I know we probably have a lot of folks here who live on Route 8. Um, a lot of you here to hear about the bridge plan. Mm -hmm. We're trying to extend the trail all the way up Route 8. It's going to go up. We are. We are, exactly, we are doing it. So you're going to go up, you're going to go around um, Mattapeak School Complex, up behind Mowbray Park, and connect over to where the sidewalk is in front of uh, Bay Cove, right? Yes, correct. And then the Grand Plan, one day, hopefully, cross over and connect to the trail. That's right. So that's this is moving forward towards, towards sooner, that. Sooner rather than later. Hopefully so. Yes, sir. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I, I appreciate the Department of Public Works and the Department of Parks and Recreation for pursuing these grant these easements this is the the last one that we had uh, well we have one more but it's going to go to settlement next week but this will get us from basically um, the uh, Mattapeak area Marine Ca Marine Academy Drive all the way up to the back of the Target Shopping Center so we're excited about that and I do believe we're going to try to start some construction as early as uh, this fall on that all right commissioners moving on um, we have uh, under tab number three item one on page one, we have proclamation number 23-44, National Senior Center Month. Jack, you go. Yeah. Okay, proclamation 23-44. Whereas the Queen Anne's County Area Agency on Aging celebrates National Senior Center Month in September 2023 with the theme, Discover Yours. And whereas older Americans are significant members of our society, investing their wisdom and experience to help enrich and strengthen our community. And whereas the Graysonville, Ken Island, and Sellersville Senior Centers have acted as a catalyst for mobilizing the creative energy, vitality, and commitment of the older residents of Queen Anne's County. And whereas through the wide array of services, programs, and activities, senior centers empower older citizens of Queen Anne's County to contribute to their own health and well-being and the health and well-being of their fellow citizens of all ages. And whereas the Graysonville, Ken Island, and Sellersville Senior Centers have been a community partner in ensuring that our most vulnerable citizens are cared for and able to stay engaged, connected, safe, and healthy. And whereas the three senior centers in Queen Anne's County affirm the dignity, self-worth, and independence of older persons by facilitating their decisions and actions, tapping their experiences, skill, and knowledge, and enabling their continued contributions to the community, 
And now, therefore, we, the County Commissioners of Queen Anne's County, do hereby recognize September 2023 as National Senior Center Month. We call upon all citizens to recognize the special contributions of the Senior Center participants and the special effort of the staff and volunteers who work every day to enhance the well-being of older citizens of our community. Signed, your Queen Anne's County Commissioners. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Commissioner Wilson. Okay, uh, our next item, item number two on page two, is our character counts spotlight for Leanne Rhodes and Tides of Grace. So the county commissioners um, are tried, uh, have, have rolled out a new program to spotlight individuals or businesses or both um, for their contributions uh, to our community, um, pairing the characters counts pillars. Um, as, as um, our county administrator alluded to, Leanne Rhodes, the owner of Tides and Grace, is the recipient for this month. The Character Counts pillar celebrated in September is responsibility. We all have personal responsibilities, but as citizens of Queen Anne's County, we also have responsibilities to our community and our neighbors. This month's spotlight, Honoree takes this responsibility to their community very seriously. This month, we want to recognize Leanne Rhodes and Tides of Grace Incorporated. Leanne saw a need in the community and jumped into action, founding Tides of Grace in late 2022. Started as once a year toy drive, Tides of Grace now holds monthly events to help families in our county. This year alone, Tides of Grace has sponsored events to provide blankets and books shoes, Easter baskets, prom dresses, summer clothes, items for new parents, haircuts, and back-to-school supplies. This month, on September 16th, from 11 to 1, Tides of Grace will be giving away winter clothes and coats. Other events scheduled this year include Halloween costumes, family pictures, and a toy drive just to get things started. Leanne has said, everyone you know is either coming out of a storm in the middle of one or going to hit one. And I've always said how nice it is to have a community to stand behind you. We agree and honor the sense of community responsibility that has helped her create this incredible organization. To find out how you can support Leanne and Tides of Grace, check out the Commissioner's Spotlight section on the home page of Queen Anne's County Character Counts website, which by the way is www.peopleofcharacter.org. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Commissioner Dumino. All right, our next two action items are from Heather Tonelli, our Economic and Tourism Development Director. Uh, number th action item number three on page be beginning on page three is the strategic asset evaluation and industry competitiveness analysis vendor selection and this is a um, uh, some funding that was received from the Maryland Department of Commerce to complete a strategic asset evaluation and industry competitive analysis the initiative was awarded funding through the Maryland Department of Commerce rural development and economic development fund and is being administered by the Upper Shore Regional Council the overall goal of the project is to assess sites for industrial development, review and improve site presentations, and increase industry competitiveness. 
So our EDC department solicited proposals, canvassed six applications, and voted to recommend M3 Synergies and Invista uh, for the project based on their experience. The cost of the project is $29,835, which is funded via the Rural Maryland, Develop Rural Maryland Economic Development Program. I move to approve the selection of M3 Synergies and Investor LLC as the vendor for Queen Anne's County Economic Tourism Development Strategic Asset and Industry Competitive Analysis Project with a total cost of $29,835 and funding through the Rural Maryland Economic Development Funds. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion on this item? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Abstain? So moved. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. Item 4 on pages 4 through 6 is from our Economic Development Incentive Funding Commission. This is for uh, Save the Day Escape Rooms, LLC. Our EDIF Commission recommends the approval of a conditional loan of up to $20,000 to Save the Day Escape Rooms, located at 460 Main Street, Stevensville. The funds will be used to purchase furniture and equipment needed for the startup of four classic novel-themed escape rooms and allow the business to open by the end of next month, October 2023. Total project cost is $95,000 and Save the Day Escape Rooms is requesting $20,000 from the EDIF Incentive Fund. They will be using $25,000 of their own capital and a low-interest loan for the remainder. The EDIF Commission has recommended the award be conditioned upon the creation of six new full-time equivalent jobs within three years of the loan agreement. I move to approve the disbursement of up to 20000 from the Economic Development Incentive Fund to Save the Day Escape Room LLC for the purchase of furniture and equipment for startup of four themed escape rooms. This disbursement of funds is contingent upon an executed agreement between the EDIF Commission and Save the Day Escape Rooms LLC outlining the terms and conditions in accordance with the application submitted to the EDIF Commission. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion on this item? Yes. Heather, you? Yes, she is. This is a little different. I don't know if I'm supposed to sing or what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> uh, this is Save the Day Escape Rooms. They are going to be located at um, the David Azar's place. It's right on um, Route 8, or right on Route 18. Oh, sorry, I'm a little short. Right on Route 18, where Half Full is. It'll be in, in one of those storefronts. Um, they've already received uh, VOLT funding as well as have their own capital, so looking for about 20000 to support this project. They'll have four rooms as well as um, an area where they'll have ability for um, businesses to do team building, that sort of thing. Um, the loan will be secured by furniture and fixtures, and in order for it to become a grant, right now it would be conditional. Um, they would have to create six full-time equivalent positions within three years and it'll be secured by guarantees and furniture and equipment. Excellent. Any other discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Abstained? So moved. Thank you, Heather. Yep. Thank you, Heather. Thank you, Commissioners. It's not quite 6.30. Let's do, we have two items here. The next two items are from Director Steve Chanley from our Parks and Recreation Department. So item five on pages seven through 16 is the, um, the Department of Parks and Recreation is recommending to contract Becker Arena Products to finish and install the new dasher board fencing, facing, cap rail, and kick plate for the inline hockey rink at Bats Neck Park in the amount of $142,942. Uh, 
They are going to utilize the source well pre-established government contract. Uh, funding of 119550 will come from the inline hockey rink capital improvement account, and the remaining balance will come from the preventative maintenance capital project account. I move to authorize the Department of Parks and Rec to contract with Becker Arena Products to furnish and install new dasher board facing, cap rail and kick plate, the inline hockey rink at Bats Neck in the amount of $142,942, utilizing the source well contract 120320ATHI. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion on this item? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Abstained? So moved. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. Uh, item 6 on pages 17 through 42. This is for the Ferry Point Habitat Enhancement Project Redesign. Again, our Department of Parks and Recreation is requesting execution of the Coastal Resiliency Program Capital Project Grant with the Department of Natural Resources for $25,750. This grant will fully fund the proposal for the Ferry Point Habitat Enhancement Project Redesign. Parks and Recreation is also recommending to contract with Sustainable Sciences to develop the proposal for the slope stabilization and habitat enhancement redesign for 200 feet of shoreline at Ferry Point Park in the amount of $25,750. No county funds are required for this project. I move to authorize the county commissioners to sign the Coastal Resiliency Program Capital Project Grant Agreement with DNR for 25750 and I move to authorize the Department of Parks and Rec to contract with Sustainable Science, LLC, to develop a proposal for the slope stabilization and habitat enhancement redesign at Ferry Point for 25750 Second. First one or the second we have, a, we have a second on the first, a motion and a second on the first uh, motion to authorize the county commissioner to sign the Coastal Resiliency Program Capital Project Grant Agreement with DNR for $25,750. Is there any further discussion on this item? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Abstained? So moved. And we have another motion on the floor. Somebody would like to second. Jackie. Second. So we have a motion and a second on the second motion. Uh, to authorize the Department of Parks and Recreation to contract a Sustainable Science LLC to develop a proposal for the slope stabilization and habitat enhancement re redesign at Ferry Point Park in the amount of $25,750. All those in favor with this item signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Abstained? So moved. 632. All right, Commissioners, it is uh, 632. We can move into the public hearing. So, uh, Mr. Thompson, would you come up, please, sir, to officiate the public hearing? And this is uh, a scheduled public hearing for the Southern Kent Island Wastewater Subdistrict Phase 3 for Kent Moore and Queen Anne Colony subdivisions. This is a sewer special benefit assessment for vacant properties in those two communities. And, Commissioners, this is in your book, uh, tab number 7, item 5, on pages 23 through 47. And we do have a brief uh, presentation that Mr. Quimby will be delivering um, after we read the advertisement here. Mr. Thompson? He'll give you his chair. 
This is a public hearing being held by the County Commissioner of Queen Anne's County, 6.30 p.m. Tuesday, September 12, 2023, at the Kent Island High School Auditorium, located 900 Love Point Road, Stevensville, Maryland. The purpose of the hearing is to classify the vacant properties in the Southern Kent Island Wastewater Subdistrict Phase 3, Kentmore and Queen Anne County subdivisions and to fix the amount of the sewer benefit assessment levy pursuant to section 2429 of the Code of Public Local Laws of Queen Anne's County. Definitions of the classes of property are contained in Resolution 1407 adopted by the County Commissioners May 27, 2014, amended August 28, 2018. The proposed benefit assessments would be effective October 1st, 2023 for Class B properties, which are existing vacant lots of record within the sewer service area without a valid soil percolation test, is 27,920, which consists of a base cost of 2,320 and the economic benefit premium of 25,600. The base cost portion of the benefit assessment can be financed over 20 years at 1%. The economic benefit premium portion of the assessment excuse me, can maybe financed over 30 years at 1% with the principal portion of the economic benefit premium deferred for a period of up to 10 years. That is interest only for the first 10 years unless or until a home is constructed. Is constructed. Specific to the deferral contains a written notice provides each class B property owner. The proposed benefit assessments, which should also be effective October 1st of this year for Class C properties, existing vacant lots of record, with a valid soil percolation test, is solely the base cost of 2320 The benefit That benefit assessment can be financed over 20 years at 1%. Prepayment on the assessment without penalty will be allowed. However, the assessment balance will not be reamortized, only the term of the assessment will be reduced. Information concerning the benefit assessment and repayment option have been sent by certified mail to all affected Class B and Class C property owners. Class A properties, which are existing improved properties, will have a hearing on their assessment, on their assessment at a later date. Person who wishes to comment on the proposed amendment may do so at this hearing. The speaker will be limited to three minutes each. Written testimony of any length can be submitted to the Director of Public Works, 312 Safety Drive, Central Maryland. Person unable to attend and allowed to testify by email and telephone. All hearing sites are accessible to individuals with disabilities, sign language interpreters, and assistive listening systems are available. Part of the record of the proceeding will be a certificate of publication indicating that notice of the hearing was published for two consecutive weeks in the Bay Times Record Observer newspaper of general circulation in Queen Anne's County. Alan, did you want to do a short presentation? Yep, so this is a short presentation from our Public Works Director, Alan Quimby, on the special benefit ass assessment for phase three vacant lots. Yeah, commissioners, this is uh, exact same information that Patrick just read, so I'm gonna blow through it fairly quickly. This is the phase three hearing for the vacant lots only. 
There's 75 Class B vacant lots, and as Patrick's indicated, those are lots that are unbuildable currently without the sewer system. And there's four Class C properties which are buildable without the sewer system. The overall project, as you well know, is 1,518 existing septic systems, which will get split into four phases. This is concerning phase three, which is Queen Anne Colony and Kentmore, which has 335 existing homes and businesses. This is the overall phasing map. Um, we're still relatively on schedule. I suspect phase three will bleed into 2025, and phase four will probably bleed into 2026, but all in all, we are on schedule. Class B assessments consists of a base fee of $2,320, and basically that pays for the pipes in the street. Class B lots are the ones that cannot be built on, so they also have an economic benefit premium of $25,600, which reflects the increase in value to those properties by uh, serving them with sewer. The principal can be deferred for 10 years if the property remains vacant. So if the property remains vacant, Class Bs will be paying $126 a quarter, which consists of the benefit assessment as well as a token O&M fee. Once Class B, after 10 years, or if Class B's build out, they're paying $417 a quarter. Class C, which I said there was only four of them, their total fee is only $63 a quarter. First billing will be October 1st, 2023. The assessment is transferable if the property is sold. Thank you. Do you have, did anyone sign up to speak? No one signed up to speak. Is there anyone here who would like to offer any uh, comments with respect to the proposed assessment? Kevin Quinn, Stevensville, Maryland. I'm objecting for paying any benefit assessment charge for lots that have been merged. Your economic development charge did not take into consideration the forced merger that you are requiring people to do. Anybody that has merged four lots or more should not be charged $25,600. If you sit down and you look at it, the benefit, there is no benefit if they are forced to merge four lots. Perfect example of this is lot 34, block B in the Kentmore subdivision. Three years ago, that lot sold a single lot for $50,000. It just recently sold for $100,000 based on the sewer. That's a $50,000 benefit that they got, and I will admit to that. But it doesn't take into consideration the four lots. If someone has four lots, like a lot of us do, and we're merging three of those four lots in there, if you take a benefit and what those four lots were worth at $50,000 a piece, it way exceeds the benefit of what the lots are bringing today. Another example of this is four lots on uh, Orchard Street just sold, merged together for $100,000 just recently in the last two weeks. That $100,000 is based on the sewer. Now. There's a single lot, lot 34, block V, that sold for 100,000, and here's four lots that sold for 100,000 dollars. There is no benefit. The fees you're charging is, and the appraisal that you have done was before you required the merger. 
once you required a merger of these lots, you have devalued the lots that are being merged. The United States Supreme Court in Murr versus Wisconsin says that any government agency, they do have a right to merge lots, but they must in fact pay the difference before what the lots were worth before they're merged and what they're uh, worth merged together. It's clear by looking at recent sales that there's no benefit, whether it's four lots or one lot, they're all the same value. You have taken three lots. Therefore, I respectfully request that you either drop the merger requirement in the Kentmore subdivision or you don't charge the $25,600. And I will also add that if you sit down and you look at Ken Island Estates, Tower Gardens, Queen Anne Colony, or Roman Coke, or anywhere else, no one else has to merge four lots. But in Kentmore, we have to merge four lots. That's totally unfair. Thank you. Any other public comment? That'll include the hearing? Yes, sir. That'll include the hearing. You're going to Yeah. No, we're, we're, the record will be open for two weeks. If anybody wants to submit any written comments, yeah, we're we're a couple of minutes. If we're okay with uh, starting a couple of minutes early, I'm fine with that, Counselor. All right, all right. Our second uh, public hearing uh, this evening is for the um, phase uh, two. Southern Kent Island Phase 2 Tower Garden Subdivision Sewer Benefit Assessment for the Improved Properties. And this is in your, your packet on pages 23 through 47 under uh, Legislative Tab Number 7. So, Mr. Thompson. This, uh, this is a public hearing being held by the County Commissioners of Queen Anne's County, 6.45 p.m. Tuesday, September 12, 2023 at the Kent Island High School Auditorium located 900 Love Point Road, Stevensville, Maryland. Purpose of the hearing is to, is to fix the amount of the sewer benefit assessment levy pursuant to section 2429 of the Code of Public Local Laws of Queen Anne's County within the, within the Southern Kent Island Wastewater Subdistrict Phase 2 Tower Garden Subdivision. The proposed benefit assessment was to be effective October 1st, 2023 for Class A properties, which are existing improved properties as of May 27, 2014, within the sewer service area, is 15,220, which consists of a base cost of 2,320, and the septic tank affluent pump cost of 12,900. The sum of the base cost and the step cost may be financed over a 20-year period at 1%. Definitions of the classes of properties are contained in Resolution 1407, adopted by the County Commissioners on May 27, 2014, and amended August 28, 2018. Prepayment on the assessment without penalty allowed, although the assessment balance will not be reamortized, only the term of the assessment will be reduced. Information concerning the benefit assessment and repayment options have been sent by certified mail to all affected Class A property owners. Persons who wish to comment on the proposed amendments may do so at the hearing. Speakers will be limited to three minutes each, but written testimony of any length can be submitted. 
the Director of Public Works, 312 Safety Drive, Centerville. Persons unable to attend are allowed to participate via email or audio at the phone number that was advertised. All hearing sites are accessible to individuals with disabilities. Sign language interpreters and assistive listening services are available. Part of the record of the proceeding will be a certificate of publication indicating that notice of the hearing was published for two successive weeks in the Bay Times Record Observer, newspapers of general circulation in Queen Anne's County. Alan, do you have? So again, Mr. Quimby, our Director of Public Works has a similar short presentation on this particular benefit assessment for the improved properties in Tower Gardens. Thank you. Uh, as Patrick indicated, this is for phase two, which is Tower Gardens, and this is for the improved properties in Tower Gardens. Uh, we already went through this, but there are 200 existing homes in phase two Tower Gardens. Again, we have this in the map we've already talked about. Phase two is probably, I'm probably 100% connected. I'm not sure, maybe 99%, but pretty much all the homes will be connected this week. Everybody got the certified mail letter, or at least they were sent a certified mail letter. The original target charge for improved properties was $100 a month, and it will remain $100 a month. It consists of the base fee of $2,320 for the pipes in the street, $12,900 for the tank in their yard. Uh, the first billing will be October 1st, and again, this assessment is transferable if the property is sold. So that equates to between the benefit assessment and the O&M charge to $300 a quarter or $100 a month. And that's just a blurb from 2014, which seems like forever ago. Thank you. Anyone sign up to speak? No one signed up. All right. Uh, is, there, is there anyone here who has any comment with respect to the proposed benefit assessment in Tower Gardens? Uh, the record will be open for two weeks if anybody wants to submit any written comments to the county commissioners, uh, 107 North Liberty Street, Central Maryland. Thanks. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Mr. Thompson. All right, commissioners, we can uh, return to the uh, agenda. We were partway through new business, so if you want to flip back to uh, tab number three, we're at item number seven. And the next uh, several items are from Scott Haas, the director of our emergency Department of Emergency Services. Item seven on pages 43 and 45 through 45 is an excuse me an administrative emergency response vehicle purchase. Uh, Department of Emergency Services requesting the approval to purchase a replacement emergency response vehicle for one 2023 Chevy Tahoe, which will be fully equipped as an emergency response unit. The approved operational budget for this unit is uh, $65,600. We have a pre-established government state contract through Criswell Chris Chevrolet Fleet Sales for a total price of $50,776, and the remaining funds will be used to purchase emergency warning equipment through pre-existing vendors. I move to authorize Director of Department of Emergency Services to purchase a 2023 Chevrolet Tahoe piggybacking off the Maryland State Contract number 001B3600-245 from Criswell Chevrolet Fleet Sales in the amount of $50,776. Second. 
We have a motion and a second. Any discussion on this item? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Abstained? So moved. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. Item number eight on pages 46 through 48 is also from DES, and it is for an animal control vehicle. Uh, DES is requesting to purchase a replacement animal control vehicle for one 2024 F-250 that will be fully equipped as an animal control response vehicle. The approved operational budget for this project is $70,506. We have a pre-established Maryland State contract through Hertrick Fleet Services for a total price of $51,136. And again, the remaining funds will be used to purchase animal transport body through a pre-existing vendor. I move to authorize the Director of Department of Emergency Services to purchase a 2024 Ford F-250 piggybacking off the Maryland State contract 001B3600-198 from Hertrick Fleet Services for the amount of $51,136. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion on this item? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Abstained? So moved. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. Item number nine on pages 49 through 52 is an, a memorandum of understanding for the Mobile Integrated Community Health Program. Department of Emergency Services, in conjunction with our uh, State Department of Health, is requesting authorization to enter into an MOU with the Queen Anne's County Health Department to establish a working relationship between the two departments that identifies areas of responsibility in our community. This MOU is a requirement of the Department of Health. The term is for one year and will require reauthorization each year into the future. I move to authorize the uh, Director of the Department of Emergency Services to execute the Queen Anne's County Mobile Integrated Community Health Program Memorandum of Understanding between the Department of Emergency Services and the Queen Anne's County Department of Health. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion on this item? Uh, you know what? Let's bring... Uh, he's right He's right there. There he is. Uh, Scott, why don't you tell us, the public what this is and why we do it? And we also because have the doctor I in the think house, we, too. We have, a, we have a majority of these. We do a lot of these. And this is truly Dr. Ciotola's MOU. I know he would be dying to come up here and talk to you about it. Uh, but basically, this establishes the working relationship with the Queen, between the Queen Anne's County Emergency Services and the Department of Health. So it lays out the responsibilities of our department and the responsibilities of Dr. Ciotola's department. Very good. We normally work together without an MOU. No. But unfortunately, the state requires us to have right. an MOU. Right. Good evening, Commissioners, and thank Good you. Evening. Good evening. We're in our 10th year for the Mobile Integrated Community Health Project in Queen Anne County, and it was the pilot for the state of Maryland. And what it does, it utilizes the clinical expertise of our paramedics, as well as our community nurses from the health department into a team that then addresses those individuals in our community that fall under the radar or let's say fall through the crack and literally in some of the homes through the open flooring in our community that needs social service support, medical support, and medication. And recently we even did a, a stair lift to help an individual get from the first floor to the second floor and eliminated the 15 to 20 calls a week for lift assist out of the fire departments. So the services that we render 
are vital to our community as well as to our overall health care system. Any questions, and I'll be glad to answer them, but we're required to do this now from the state on a yearly basis because of the data breach that occurred to the Department of Health approximately a year and a half ago. It is a new requirement. Thank you. Well, I was there when we started this, and uh, I remember it well, and it, it was huge success. How many counties now in the state uh, have something similar to this? I think we're up to, what, 12? Wow. 16. 16 now. Wow. Congratulations. So we're only a few short of the 23. There you go. <laughs> it's right. a great program. You guys do a great job. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for the support, and you have supported us from day one. Awesome. And without this, we couldn't do it. So I, have thank a, you. I have a comment, Dr. Ciotola. Yes, sir. It is really good to see you. <laughs> Welcome back. Be, it is good to be seen. Welcome back. You're a treasure to our county. And uh, I'm just really grateful to see you. I'm glad your health is doing great. And uh, keep Scott in, in line for us, will you? He does it on a daily. Yes, he does. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we're, we're voting to recommend a motion is the move to authorize the director of the Department of Emergency Services to execute the Queen Anne's County Mobile Integrated Community Health Program Memorandum of Understanding between Department of Emergency Services and the Queen Anne's County Department of Health. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Abstained? So moved. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. Our next item is item number 10. This is the Queen Anne's County Emergency Operations Plan, and it is on pages 53 through 159. And this is our Emergency Assistance Act, which is recognizing the need for a federal, state, and local government to develop a comprehensive plan and program for preparedness against disasters. Uh, an, an emergency operations plan is the required document under the Stafford Act that outlines procedures and protocols to be followed during various types of emergencies or disasters, including how to respond to nat natural disasters, hurricanes, earthquakes, floods, as well as human-made crises like terrorist attacks and industrial accidents. These plans are commonly developed by government agencies, organizations, or institutions as safeguard lives and property during emergency uh, situations. Our Department of Emergency Services recommending uh, to the Board of County Commissioners to endorse and promulgate this plan. Uh, I will say this plan has gone through an uh, extensive 12-month review process, and it has been approved by all stakeholders uh, identified within the plan. And it is uh, quite extensive, over 100 pages. So, I move to endorse and promulgate the 2023 Emergency Operations Plan as a signal and official emergency operations plan for Queen Anne's County. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Would you like to say anything before we vote on it, or are you good? I'm good if you're good. Very well. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Abstained? Thank you very much. Commissioners, thank you very much. Mm -hmm. You too. All right. Thank you, Director Haas. Dr. Ciotola, good to see you. All right, Commissioners, uh, item number 11 on pages 160 and 161. This is for the Chester Haven Beach Public Works Agreement Second Amendment, and this is a request to extend the PWA with Chester Haven Beach Partnership, allowing for up to an additional 36 months to begin construction, during which time they can um, seek a court action or move forward with a reconfiguration of their existing subdivision with the condition that the additional uh, 
an additional 10% non-refundable deposit be provided by the applicant to secure the existing sewer allocation specified in the PWA. So if we um, get concurrence to move this forward, then we would have the required public works agreement at the uh, next meeting. Um, I move to extend the public works agreement with Chester Haven Beach Partnership, allowing for an additional 36 months to begin construction, during which time Chester Haven Beach Partnership will either seek court action or move forward and reconfigure the existing subdivision with the condition that an additional 10% non-refundable deposit be provided by Chester Haven Beach Partnership to secure the sewer allocation. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion on this item? So this is, this is what we voted on three years ago. Correct. All right, so this is just adding the extension. Correct. Okay. Thank you. Can I, can I ask uh, Mr. Stevens a question? Absolutely. Mr. Stevens, I, I, I read your letter, and I just want to clarify. It's kind of rhetorical, but if, if this passes here, but yet, you, you, you know, you're going to court, and it doesn't, you understand this is a non-refundable and the, the, the investor is willing to take that chance? Yeah, this, this has nothing to do with, the law, with whatever happens with the status of the lots of record, and I agree, yes. Thank you. Good. Any other questions? Comments? All right, uh, we're moving. Uh, the motion is to move to extend the public works agreement with Chester Haven Beach Partnership, allowing for an additional 36 months to begin construction during which time Chester Haven Beach Partnership will either seek court action or move forward and reconfigure the existing subdivision with the condition that an additional 10% non-refundable deposit be provided by Chester Haven Beach Partnership to secure the sewer allocation. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Abstained. So moved. Okay, thank you, Commissioner. Our last action item, number 12, on pages 162 through 164, is the FY25 priority projects for state funding. And this is a draft letter to Governor Moore outlining several projects for state funding in the upcoming governor's state budget. There is a list of projects attached, which includes several projects from last year's request that were not fully funded or underfunded, and one new request to potentially support funding for upgrades to uh, Beach Road and Kent Island States. Uh, the other projects include uh, funding for uh, Chesapeake Bay Environmental Center, CBEC for their pavilion, Lakeside Pavilion, the pedestrian bridge crossing at US 5301 to connect the South Island Trail with the Cross Island Trail, continue with the renovations to complete the historic courthouse in Centerville, a project to connect our public water systems from Kent Narrows to Graysonville, which would go from the Kent Narrows to the Graysonville Elementary School, the Thompson Creek Connector Road, which is the service road that would continue through the Ellendale community up uh, adjacent to the Target community to Thompson Creek Service Road in front of the Target Shopping Center. I move to execute the fiscal year 25 priority projects for the state funding letter. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Abstained? So moved. Okay, thank you, commissioners.
That is all of our action items for this evening. We do have under uh, legislation, uh, we have several items that were uh, subjects of public hearings over the past month that are that can be voted on this evening. So if you want to turn back to tab number seven, uh, the first one, item one under tab seven, pages one through six is county ordinance number 23-05, and this is the airport protection in Kent Island gateway ordinance that adds and removes certain permitted uses and updates design standards in that development district. I'm going to adopt county ordinance 2305. Second. We have a motion second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Abstain? So moved. Okay, thank you, commissioners. Item two, this is a related ordinance. This is county ordinance 2306. This actually rezones uh, parcels 301, 273, and 273 lot one on tax map 56 from urban commercial to airport protection in Kent Island Gateway District in that same zoning district there by the uh, Bay Bridge Marina. I move to adopt county ordinance 2306. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion on this item? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Abstained? So moved. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. Item number three is uh, County Ordinance 23-08, uh, Ethics. This is on page 9 through 16. And this is for the purpose of revising Chapter 8 of the Code of, Pu Code of Public Local Laws, uh, the County Ethics Ordinance to comply with the requirements uh, that a County Ethics Ordinance contain provisions similar to those in the State Law Title V of the General Provisions Article of the State Annotated Code of Maryland. I move to adopt. County Ordinance 23-08. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion on this item? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Uh, aye. Opposed? Abstain? So moved. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. And our last item for legislation this evening is the Comprehensive Water and Sewer Plan Amendment. We held a hearing um, two weeks ago. Uh, to amend, uh, which includes the uh, Kenton Area Stevensville, Graysonville plant re-rating, our allocation policy, and various um, housekeeping mapping updates that were listed uh, in the uh, in the ordinance or in the memo in front of you on page uh, page four. Excuse me, uh, item four, page seventeen. Now th these amendments would then go to the State of Maryland MDE for concurrence. So we have we have four amendments, four different motions. Todd. Um, Todd. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking four here. Yeah, okay. I think there is. Yeah. 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 All right. Uh, first one, uh, I move to approve the two text amendment requests on behalf of the county to recognize the county's efforts to re-rate the capacity of Kenton Arrows Graysonville Stevensville wastewater plant from three uh, million gallons per day to 3.3 million gallons per day, as well as approve the revised allocation policy. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion on this? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Abstained? So moved. Yeah. <laughs> I move to approve the Chester Area Map Amendment request on behalf of the county to reflect the reduced growth area, thereby redesignating the following four parcels from S3W3 to S6W6, tax map 57, parcel 39, parcel 68, 
and large portion of parcel 43, lots 1 and 2. Second. We have a motion and a second on this item. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Abstain? So moved. All right, I move to approve the Stevensville area map amendment request on behalf of the county. Reflect the 16 losses listed in the advertisement as never being within the service area, thereby correcting their service designation from S1W1 to S6W6. Second. We have a motion and a second on this item. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Abstained? So moved. I move to approve the Ken Island Estates and Roman Coke Area Map Amendment requested on behalf of the county to reflect the 18 lots as listed in the advertisement as never being within the service area, thereby correcting their service designation from S2 to S6. Second. We have a motion and a second on this item. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Abstained? So moved. All right, thank you, commissioners. That is all we have for legislative this evening. I believe that concludes all of our items, so we can um, hold press and public comments. No, I probably won't wait. Uh, you have nobody? Nobody signed up. Would anybody like to speak? Okay, seeing being. Oh, here we go. Come, come on, come down, on down, down to, yeah. State your name and where you live. My name is Christine Carter, and I live at 308 Oregon Road in Stevensville. I'm sorry I missed the um, beginning of the meeting because I was down at the Legion thinking that they were going to be talking about the road closures. And I was just wondering if you could, um, I just want to give my two cents on the closures. Um, I do live way down Route 8. Um, while I'm no longer working, I used to work at Noxie's. Um, the thought of not having access to Route 50 um, from Route 8 as a resident just blows my mind that I would have to drive another four or five miles in the opposite direction to get on the Bay Bridge if I needed to. I think a lot of the residents already kind of shape their life around the traffic blowing through during the summer months. Um, and maybe a lot of us give up some things and decide not to cross the bridge on a Friday or Saturday because of the traffic. Um, I feel very strongly that, well, I'm not opposing this study coming up for the next few weeks, but I do think that something very seriously, uh, another kind of alternative for the residents needs to be made besides having to backtrack in the event that we want to go across the bridge on a weekend. We have family, people work over there at hospitals. We don't even need to speak of the EMS situation if something really tragic happens. But 
there needs to be another alternative, possibly included, I'm not saying to exclude what's going on, but the business is down Route 8 too. I mean, I know this is a long ongoing battle, but I just wanted to express myself that not having access when you already have to travel 10 or 15 or 20 minutes, depending on how far down Route 8 you are, to get across the bridge on something that we do on a regular basis because of a road closure, because of the traffic going through that we don't even really get the benefit from financially. I just I really would like another alternative, whether it's transponders that allow us to go over. I, I don't know. I brainstorm often, but having us be, have to backtrack all the way to the Kent Mayor's Bridge to get across in the event that we have to, it's, there's got to be another way. So I thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank You're you. quite welcome. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Hello. My name is Kelly Woodall, and I live over at um, uh, Bridge Point, which is right off of Cox Neck Road. And I agree with 110% of what that lady just said before me. Um, I, too, was over at the Legion expecting to have a format just like this. And I think 60% of the people there also were looking for some kind of format like this. Um, us to raise our hands and ask questions about the, the, the closures, um, you know, on, on Route 50. Um, to be honest with you, I don't think it's going to affect me, but um, from what I understand is the State Highway Association um, with the county are making the decisions as to what should happen. Um, and I've said this to a lot of people, and you will probably disagree, but there has to be some hoity-toity crazy man in California who can take care of traffic patterns and traffic problems that we don't have here in Queen Anne's County that can help out. I, I just, without having to build 900 roads or not have to, you know, there's got to be someone somewhere because it's not being taken care of now, unfortunately. But I love um, Ken Island. And thank you for everything you all do. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes, ma'am. You can see where we all work. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Cindy Turner, and I live in Bay City. Um, and I, too, am affected by uh, you know, I, I agree 110% with what they both said. Um, you know, the road closures, as much as I'm really not a fan of it at all, um, you know, because I think everybody's got a right to be on the road. Uh, I get affected by the, uh, I work in Annapolis, so that means uh, my concern is what's going to happen when this study goes for the next few weeks and everybody says, oh, it worked out really fine. So then we start doing it in the summer and we cut it off on Thursday and Friday like they did across the bridge. And then on those two days that I have to go to work, I have to backtrack to Chester to go to Annapolis. 
and then sit at another, which a 20-minute ride home would take me an hour to get home because the closure's on the other side. Um, it just it, it just seems ridiculous. And, you know, I'm just so used to going out and hitting 50, going on the overpass and getting right on the bridge. Having to go all the way to Chester is ridiculous. And I travel around here a lot, and, you know, the, the other guy over at the Legion was telling me that they see a lot of people getting on Route 8 and going right straight across out on 50. Well, in my travels on the weekend, and I, I don't really see a lot of that. I mean, not to say that it doesn't happen, but that really isn't a big, I don't think it happens as much as they think it does. I don't know, maybe they've got cameras and it's, I, I just don't see it as much. But I agree, I don't think that the, the Route 8 should be closed off. I think there's other alternatives that you should be able to do and I, I'm just worried about it happening and becoming a permanent thing like it did over there this summer. So, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? All righty, we'll close the press and public comment. We can go right to a round table. You want to go? You're holding the mic? Fire away. So um, first off, I want to commend uh, Commissioner Moran's efforts in this. I know he has been working on something as far back as 2018 when a lot of people that I heard speak up tonight didn't even realize we were trying to do something to head off what we saw as the inevitable which is, and I agree with that young lady who was up here, there are things that are ridiculous. The first is, bridge was built in 1952, the old bridge. Second bridge was built in 1972. Here we are in 2023 and no effort's been made to put another bridge somewhere else, right? That's ridiculous. And on top of that, we've continued to build in Ocean City. Guess where these people that go through Queen Anne's County, clog our side roads up, are going? They're going to the Delaware beaches or they're going to Ocean City. I've said all along and have been for two years, if we don't put a moratorium on the building in Ocean City, the traffic's only going to get exponentially worse, which leads it right through Queen Anne's County. And that's for the foreseeable future, because no matter where they put a bridge, north, south, east, west, it's already 30, 40 years past due, you're still 15 years out before a bridge is put in. Not to mention to all those that want to go across that bridge and enjoy it being right there off of Route 8, Bridge number one is at its useful life at 75 years. Bridge number two is at 50 years and coming up on its useful life. The state of Maryland, if they put bridge crossing somewhere else, is not going to continue to dump $9 billion into those bridges to maintain them. So think about the backside of that, of where you would be trying to cross when there's no crossing there. There's a lot going on right now. There's a lot of dynamics that going to play out over the next 10 to 15 years. They're going to affect life in Queen Anne's County more than any other county, quite frankly. Uh, right now, we are the gateway to the Eastern Shore. There's a sign that says so, and everybody's taking advantage of that. Um, I'm sorry that you guys didn't get out of the meeting up there what you were looking to get. Um, I, I support this pilot program because that's just, it's a pilot program. It's made to analyze things, check numbers, see what, this, what is the local traffic on 18. Because that's what we're all trying to solve is let our residents here have a quality of life to get around the island, get around right here in Queen Anne's County when the traffic is horrible on 50. Keeping them on 50 has always been our goal. But guess what? People don't listen. People from New Jersey and New York and Delaware, they don't play by the same rules we do here or from Virginia or Pennsylvania. And I drive that road every day back and forth. So I see them. I've seen them for 31 years since I've lived over here. 
The solution is not going to be easy, like uh, Commissioner Moran said during his presentation. There's going to be pain. There's going to be learning. We're going to have the town halls. We're going to let the public come in and tell us what's working and not working because we're not there every second of every day to watch what these new traffic flows might do. But we all got to work together as a community because this problem is not going away. This traffic is not going away. We're going to have to learn how to live with it, and we're going to have to learn how to try to get around and do the best we can right here in Queen Anne's County. Thank you. I just want to add, um, again, the program that they uh, successfully pulled off in Anne Arundel County on the Rodneck Peninsula certainly was much smaller than the monumental task that we're trying to accomplish. But what we want to do that mirrors theirs is that is to condition the folks that are traveling from Ocean City to the Bay Bridge and condition them to stay on Route 50. That's ultimately our goal. So we're hoping that this pilot program, and we know there's going to be some unintended consequences. This is why, as Commissioner Jack Wilson mentioned, we're going to have town hall meetings when it's all done to get some feedback from the folks. So try to bear with us. This is an effort to try to fix a, a problem um, for our locals on 18 North and South. Okay, I'll go then. Um, okay, so uh, as the commissioner that lives down Route 8, um, I, I support this pilot program as well. And it's going to impact me. I have kids that have sports across the bridge. It's going to impact me getting my kids to that. So I get it, and I, and I, and I feel the pain. I really do. Um, what also impacts me is the traffic on 18 in the summertime, not being able to get to church, not being able to get to the supermarket, not being able to go visit my mom in Graysonville, although she's here in the audience right now, probably telling me she doesn't like our decision, but we'll see what Mama has to say in a little bit. Um, so I get it. And, and, and as Commissioner Moran said, there, there, there is no solution without pain. Um, and that's the unfortunate aspect of it. it it's, it's that jagged little pill that you have to swallow um, in order to get through this. And, and as one of the speakers said earlier, part of the reason we're in this uh, was because of poor planning that had happened in the past. And, and there was poor planning at county level way, way, way before us, poor planning at the state level, um, and not planning for this. And in part, some of that poor planning, we've seen some of the decisions were made because the public would say, well, we don't like this. And then you had politicians that wanted to satisfy the people who didn't want to do something. And they said, okay, we're not going to do it. Line up that can and let me kick that thing all the way down the road um, and create a problem for somebody else. And you have to have some resolve to do what's difficult even when it's not popular because there has to be a solution that's implemented and even if it's going to be painful and, and hopefully it won't be too painful but yeah there's going to be a mess it's not going to be pulled off perfectly there's going to be some cluster that arises from it people are going to say look it didn't work but maybe not maybe that's not the case because sometimes when you have adversity there's challenges you learn from that and you go forward with that i want to address a couple of um, the things that some people have asked earlier. Um, so uh, they say there's, there's got to be something else that we can try. And this is not our first shot at this, right? This is not the first time we're, we're trying to do things. We, we have had sheriff's deputies sit on the side of the road and try to keep people from going on the side of the road. You can't prevent them. You can try to encourage them not to. I was with the sheriff's deputies on the side of the road for some of those days. Jim Moran was there as well, trying to encourage people. Um, to go use the side roads alleviated a little bit at first, but it really was not a long-term solution. 
Uh, Commissioner Moran and I both went down to the General Assembly and we testified in favor of legislation to get some changes to these exits, to get more roads closed, to only keep locals on it. We weren't successful at that, right? We have tried a lot of things. Um, there is, people said, well, let's have an easy pass solution or a locals only and check a decal. And great idea, illegal. They can't do that. The state can't do that. Um, there's some copies of the letters uh, that were sent by Federal Highway to Jim Ports when he was the head of MDOT um, that we left here for people to see. But he asked, can we do a locals only uh, pass? And the federal government said, you're welcome to do that. We will cut off your federal funding for your highway, and then the state of Maryland won't get federal funding, so good luck with your roads at that point. It's basically what the letter says. It's not an option, unfortunately. Um, so the state won't do that. Um, there was questions about, I've seen, why can't we do a left from Route 8 onto the, the exit ramp uh, for 50? That's brought up by people who live down my way, Southern Canal, and think, hey, that'd be great if we can make a left, and you know, what about the people in Cloverfield? They can't make the right. Um, but the problem is, if, if part of that exit is open, then the ramp is open, right? And if the ramp is open, then on the navigation system software, the ramp is open, and so the algorithm will send people on the backed up 50 onto the side roads. And part of this is to get that to change. So when the state sends a notification to the navigation companies that this is closed between these hours, that creates a virtual roadblock, right? It's a dead end, a virtual dead end. So the navigation software redoes the algorithm and it doesn't send people onto the side road. This is trying to re retrain their behaviors so they stay on 50. But if that, if that ramp isn't really closed, right? Like, first of all, the state won't tell them that it's closed and we have it open. The state won't lie to the navigation companies about that. But let's say the state said it was closed and people start using it. And you have your navigation that's running because the tech companies are always following you, even if you don't have those navigation software on, they're gonna pick up that, hey, this, this exit that we thought was closed is open now. The algorithm's gonna change and it's gonna start sending people onto the side road. That's why that can't be done. Um, I think that's a lot of some of the, the, the key things that, that we've been hearing. So this is, it is to modify this behavior so that, that Route 18 stays open for local traffic um, no doubt it's going to create an extended commute sometimes to get across that, to get across 50 if you live down Route 18. Uh, but these are issues that we've looked at with the state and for, for years. I mean, I know I've been a commissioner five years and Commissioner Moran has been working on this much longer than that, trying to get this. And we finally have the state engaged. And it's taken a long time yeah. to develop those relationships with the state personnel to even get them to be concerned about what our problems are here and we finally got them engaged um, and we want to keep them engaged. Is this going to be a 10 a.m. to um, 8 p.m. closure all the time? I don't think that's what the results of the pilot tests are going to be. I think what we're going to find is that it can close a little bit later, it can open a little earlier, it'll be a smaller window. Ideally, what we're going to have is the data so that we can trigger these closures when necessary. So it's not closed all the time, but when we start seeing those backups, we have the system in place to then trigger those closures so that we can respond dynamically to what the traffic is doing. I like to say it would be seamless so the people for Queen Anne's County can use the roads. It won't be. <laughs> I wish it was, but that's what we're trying to get to. So when I see people saying, you know, that you can't do this to us, you can't, we are not trying to do anything to the citizens of Queen Anne's County other than help this, this backlog that we have in the summertime and we recognize how difficult 
some of these decisions are. So we, we do hear you are listening, um, and I wish there was a, a magic solution that we would have. Um, for those of you who stayed throughout the meeting, I appreciate it, and we will stay here afterwards and, and answer more of your questions. Uh, we had another, I think, 20 people that showed up who have, have left, so I hope you watch this um, online, anybody who was able to make it. Reach out to us, we're open, we'll talk to you. I will have one request is, um, we got some rather vulgar emails about this from some citizens, from, from people who supposedly are adults, um, with some harsh profanity. Um, and, and, and that's maybe some of the nicer emails we got, right? Um, in addition to that, there's a lot of that in social media. And our county staff, Beth's down here, she's our public information officer. Please, when you're on social media and Queen Anne's County government is responding to your questions on social media, it is not acceptable to treat her rudely in your responses. I know you're mad and you're upset. It is not okay. The county employees deserve better. They work really hard for you people. They really do. And I'm always going to stick up for them. So just, I, I know you're upset. You want to blow steam. You can, what we were called, S heads and go F yourself. Fine, send that to us, you know, if that's what you need to do. If that makes you continue to feel like you're an adult in a civil conversation, I disagree, but go ahead, send it to us. But leave the county staff out of that. They don't deserve that. It's just, it's not called for, and I will set boundaries on that. I will not accept that from people. So that's my soapbox on that one. Sorry, but that really irritates me when the county employees get treated like that. Yeah. Ma'am in the back, would you like to ask uh, one minute? I'm going to stay and talk to them anyways. We'll answer this question. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just for those who are listening. Uh, okay. We might not be here well, Okay, yeah. So, so uh, and what's the date on that letter that you have from? From Ports? the sports letter? Yeah. Thank you. Right. Yeah. So for, the, I would say, the past eight years, as backups built on the western shore, uh, because they, had to, they were getting onto a two-lane bridge when, when ContraFlow was just coming about, Anne Arundel County tried to say locals only on these access roads. Federal government passes down your tax dollars to the state. The state uses them for projects. So any state road or federal road, everybody has access to it. You can't designate or you can't select one group or another group. What you can do, though, is deny it to everybody. So what Anne Arundel County do has done now, and we just had to write, ask the right question, is they've closed those ramps and those other uh, side entrances to everybody. So they're not being selective. They're not saying, okay, just, just residents go through. So all those residents that live down there have to come back, if they're coming to the Eastern Shore, they have to go back to Castle Marina, or excuse me, Cape St. Clair to get on it to get across the bridge. So they do have the same you know, issues, but the road that they go on to get back to Cape St. Clair now is clear. There's nobody coming down that road because there's nowhere for them to go. So good, Patrick. Yeah, let, let me let me uh, finish the round table, then we we can all sit down and talk. We'll close the yeah. meeting and then we'll answer questions. Yeah. 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 Uh, I don't really have much to add except the, these 
these guys have been working on this for years. And I would just encourage the public to be patient. It's, it's two days next week, two days the following week, and two days the following week. Let's just see where it goes. And then, uh, we're, as they said, we're going to have a public meeting. Come to the meeting. But come with productive uh, ideas. I love the easy pass idea and the transponder idea. I brought it up, but to President Moran's point, the state won't let us do it. So thank you for your patience with us. So, and I'll just, I'm gonna give you a couple more little bullet points here, uh, and nobody's even talking about it. These bridges, everybody here that's in this room, that's left in this room, probably lived through the last redecking on the three-lane westbound bridge. The two-lane eastbound bridge is getting starting redecking here the end of next month. They're actually going to be picking out entire sections, dropping sections in. It's, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a challenge. They think that uh, they've got a lot of the what caused problems on the previous projects uh, taken care of. We're going to find out. Uh, and I also want to say that you know when you talk about capacity, uh, these bridges are, are rated at 1,500 vehicles, or excuse me, highway is rated at 1,500 vehicles per hour. That's how many cars will run down one lane, 1,500 max. The Bay Bridge has never gotten over 1,350. So they're already at a 1,500, uh, you know, uh, 150 car per hour per lane backup. 400, 450 cars westbound every hour are coming up to that bridge with less capacity. So the backup really doesn't, you know, the, the bridge is the choke point. So if we can remove some of those merge areas and allow that traffic to roll, and I will say when you get on Route 8, you come up and over top of the overpass of 50 to turn left. Instead of turning left, you go straight down to Main Street, turn right. It's 1.6 miles to Castle Marina Road and 1.6 miles back. So I know it's an inconvenience. Believe me, I know it's an inconvenience, but 1.6 miles is a lot better than 11 miles. And if you look at what's going to happen to everybody on the Kent Narrows East, when they come back from the beach, Easton shopping, whatever the case may be, uh, sporting events in Centerville, they're going to have to go down to the Kent Narrows just to turn around to come back to Bennett Point Road. And that's, it's a, and again, when we say that nobody's going to be uh, away without any pain, it, it, it is. And, and that's why we're struggling to get some of these projects to move forward to start building because, again, this is just the first phase. These three exits are the first phase, and then we have the rest of it to go. And I'm sure we're going to hear a lot more. But I'm going to stick around to answer any questions that I can. If I can't, I'll tell you I can't, but uh, I'll give it my best shot. And I want to close with just saying on Saturday uh, in Centerville, Queen Anne's County Goes Purple uh, was a huge success. success. Uh, this is an organization, uh, the, the Drug Free Coalition, uh, all the, the agencies that were there, the Department of Emergency Services was there. Uh, the sheriff was there. All these different uh, agencies that help with re rehabilitation were there, and it was a huge success. And I just want to say, you know, thank you to all the, everybody that that uh, worked on that. And we have ambassadors that are actually in these, this high school and Queen Anne's High School Drug Free Coalition has ambassadors, and they sang there, and I, I thought that was awesome. They had the the the, the, the cards, and they were just, it was awesome. It was great to see. So, kudos to you, and and thank you, Warren, Katha, Kathy. Uh, Tracy, Linda, uh, everybody that worked on it, you know, thank you. And with that, I'll entertain a motion. 
A motion to close. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.